Hey everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, I discuss a fight that looked like it was rock solid that might be off. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. Will it happen or not? And does the fight need to happen? I also sit down with Sergio Pettis, Bellator Bantamweight champion, about a fight coming up that is the biggest test of his career. We are talking today about some breaking news via Condios, right? It means go with God. That's in English. That's what it means. That's how I feel today because that's right. KOB, uh, not able to be with me today. I'm stuck with. Oh, God, I can't believe. Guns is my lead producer. Guns. Uh, boop, boop, boop. Okay, okay. Knew you'd say something stupid right off the get go. You are in lead producer position. I literally have to do what Gun says today, and that it's like tearing my heart out. But the Gun Show, baby, let's go! It's the Gun Show featuring Jimmy Smith. If you believe in prayers and (laughs) thoughts and prayers and all that crap, I don't believe in. Send them to me now. That that positive vibe energy. BS. Send it that to me season now. of giving. The season of giving is upon us, <laughs> and Jimmy needs all of it right now. Right. Okay. But here's the deal. I, we made it easy on Guns because Gun, Guns calls me today uh, to do our production call. All right. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to do. And literally on his phone, it popped up uh, UFC 271 rematch in jeopardy because of comments by Eugene Behrman, who is, of course, uh, the head of City Kickboxing. He's a friend of the show, been on many times, great MMA mind. He's Israel Atsanya's coach. So it made it easy. What are we going to talk about? First thing is some breaking news. Uh, right now I'm looking at MMAmania.com. Reigning UFC middleweight champion Israel Asanya was expected to defend his 185-pound title against former division champion Robert Whitaker as part of the uh, UFC 271, let's say it loud, pay-per-view event. Keep that in mind. Big money, big stakes. In February, in a city and venue to be determined. 11 weeks, Whitaker wrote on Twitter before adding the hashtag and new. So this is our background here. Robert Whitaker tweeted 11 weeks and new. But City Kickboxing head coach Eugene Behrman, of course his coach, insists their middleweight rematch has yet to be finalized by Team Whitaker, despite the, quote, stupid tweets making the rounds on social media. This is from his interview. All right. Rob and his people, his wonderful manager, can't secure this fight and they're panicking. This is an interview with Submission Radio. So they put out these stupid tweets, this and that. It's like, mate, just relax, boys. Just train. That's all we're doing. You guys do the same. Let us handle the business because you guys are incapable. That management team's incapable. So we'll just handle the business side of things, and if this is the direction the fight is going to go towards Robert, then we'll secure it for you. We'll do your job for you, but stop with the social media stuff. Like, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. It just shows your insecurity about the fight. Don't worry. We'll sort the fight out. Uh, for those that don't remember, is Israel Asanya knocked out Robert Whitaker for the title. That was UFC 243, October 2019. Three title defenses. Uh, obviously, unanimous decision over Marvin Vittori, UFC 263. So this is Behrman. Again, maybe we're working on something different. Maybe if we can delay this Robert fight by a few months, maybe we can have it in a big stadium in Australia. Maybe that's the right thing to do, and that's fine. Let's get everybody around together, and let's push Robert back a bit. I'm sure Robert would love to do this fight in a massive stadium on home turf. Let's put someone else in this February, sp- sp- plot, this February slot. You don't know. 
I'm not willing to confirm that. Now, here's the kicker. Israel still fights. This is Eugene Behrman. And then it's just up to Robert whether he wants to fight again, if he wants to sit down. I mean, that's up to him. you got to remember, you have the title fight, remember? He had it. He signed it, sealed, and delivered. He wasn't willing to make the same commitments that we were, uh, and that was to stay in America and keep training. Those are the same commitments that we've made many times. He wasn't willing, which is fine. I've got nothing against him for that. But he had the title fight. Now he might have to get pushed back. I don't know. I thought the match itself was more of a done deal. Now, venue, where it's going to be, blah, 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 exact date, we don't know. Everyone's talking about February. I assumed that the fight itself, the bout agreement, had been signed. Apparently not. And apparently, according to Eugene Behrman, it's on Robert Whitaker's end. Now, we're only getting Eugene Behrman's side of the story. But it's true, okay? Apparently, this isn't. Now, you had... Strangely enough, an interesting question for me, guns. When we did our production call, you had a very interesting question that probably a lot of the listeners have. So ask me and I'll answer it. So, you know, today, as I said, beginning of the season of giving, that means it's December. It's December 1st right now. Now, they say this fight's supposed to happen in February. I just looked it up. It is supposed to definitely take place February 12th. You're right, at a venue to be announced. So I'm not a genius with math, but that's like... That's, you know, four weeks in January, four four weeks in December, four weeks in January. So you're talking like, that'd be like 10, like that's like 10 weeks or so. How, from a fighter standpoint, when do they have to start getting into shape? When do they have to start training? How much will this affect from two sides? One, to get yourself and body back into fighting mode. And then two, to train against a specific type of fighter. How does that go? Big fight, three months-ish. 12 weeks ish anything less so now basically now you you try it's camp time three months is camp time when they say oh i've been in camp for x camp is is about three months maybe uh, you can do a camp in two months which is eight to ten weeks ish uh you don't want that you generally want three uh so a full camp for a title fight big money pay-per-view three months so they're already (laughs) You're already so it looks like they're already behind. Now. Yeah, right. yeah. Or they will behind. be. Yeah, time the, is of the essence. Right. The good news is, guys like this. Got to remember a couple things. They've already fought each other. So Robert Whitaker has already game planned for Israel Adesanya. Of course, first time it didn't work. Israel Adesanya has already game planned for Robert Whitaker. It did work. But so there's some familiarity here. It isn't mass a brand new guy. We don't know what he does. They, the, 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 the two of them know what the other one does. And you can start, in a very generic, general way, getting in shape at this point. So your first month is almost getting your body ready for a hard camp. So it's, it's almost the first month is, depending on the kind of shape you're in, these guys train regularly anyway, you're doing some fight-specific stuff. But a lot of it is you're just, you know, instead of sparring three times a week, you're sparring a lot more, you're doing wind sprints, you're doing your road work in the morning, road work at night, whatever. You're adding things on to your workout. So right now, if they told Izzy, look, this isn't a done deal, but let's assume it's no February until we hear different, he's going to be getting his body into shape right now. So you could probably lose another three or four weeks and nothing specifically would go wrong. You know what I mean? Like you're just kind of getting in shape. It's like, it's like a football team. All right, you have a football game in three months. Oh, okay, well, we'll start getting into football shape. You don't start thinking – 
what's the run defense of the Green Bay Packers? Well, is, is Rodgers, what's he doing? You're not really thinking about that at the moment, okay? It's almost like getting ready for your season opener. Uh, all right, three months ahead of time. You're not really thinking about that at the beginning of NFL training camp. You're thinking about just getting into NFL shape. That's kind of where they are now. But to answer your question, it's about 12 weeks. We're about now, okay, is <laughs> when they should be thinking about one another. And uh, also, these guys are they're 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 nice sized middleweights. They are. They aren't the kind of guys where cutting weight has been a huge issue. That is another thing that in camps, uh, when you have to cut to make weight, depending how big you are and how much of an issue it is, the earlier you got to start thinking about it. They these two guys aren't gigantic middleweights. You don't have to think about it now. So it can get done now. If you listen to the interview. Um, the quotes of Eugene Behrman, he's kind of laying this at the feet of Robert Whitaker. Now, I would expect the coach of the other guy, Israel Asanya, to lay it at the feet of Robert Whitaker. I would expect him to go, uh, let's, you know, it's all Robert's fault. And his terrible management. And I, okay, yeah, all right, sure, fine. That I would expect him to. I don't know how much of that is true. I have no inside information, being Jimmy Smith, about Robert Whitaker's management team. I have no idea what they have received, what they haven't received. This is an old, I don't want to say tactics. I'm not saying Eugene Berman is lying. This is a very common refrain in, in MMA. We gave you the contract. You haven't signed it. You're scared. You're incompetent. You're this. You're that. I signed my end. You didn't sign yours. I don't know if that's true. And if it is true, I don't know why. It could be Robert Whitaker is waiting for the UFC to give them some kind of financial remuneration that isn't in the... I don't know. I have no idea. But as far as the nuts and bolts go about this kind of thing, Jesus, this has got to get done comparatively soon. And the UFC, this is a can't-miss solid pay-per-view. Israel Adesanya pay-per-view-wise, is giving us solid numbers. He is. And when, whenever, whenever, you, whenever you think about it that way, and there are very few, same as in movies or in entertainment, bankable stars, right? You hear all the time, he's a bankable star, meaning we're going to make our money back at some point with this dude, okay? So, Israel Adesanya. Last time out versus Marvin Vittori, 600,000 pay-per-view buys. Blahovich versus Adesanya, 800,000. Adesanya versus Costa, 700,000. These are damn good numbers. You can get it half a million or over. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. And he's that bankable star. Okay? He's that guy that if we put him in the movie, we're going to make our money back. Period. End of sentence. So one of the reasons the UFC has got to be like, okay, we, we don't need this kind of noise is the guy's a bankable commodity, very bankable. And so when I look at it, uh, this is not the kind of news the UFC wants because they've got to come up with a new anchor for the pay-per-view. Now, and who your anchor is, meaning the main event, people, the, the fight the fans are really going there to see. It, there's a trickle-down effect. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker sells pretty well on its own. You might have a pretty decent co-main event, but, you know, it sells all right. It, it, it defines how you structure the rest of the card. 
So if this goes down and you have a main event that isn't as good in February, that means the rest of the card has to get better. Right? You might have to think about different people. Guns, you are laughing like you have some kind of insight well, here. Well, I just pulled up the announced bouts. <laughs> and uh, I don't know who half these people are. Right. Okay. Read some to me. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll just. All right. I, I mean, I, honestly. Okay. So Renato Mociano versus Renato Alexander. Moicano. That's okay. Go ahead. Okay. That one's decent. Okay. Roxanne Modafferi versus Modafferi. Casey O'Neill. Wasn't yep. bad. Roxanne. Now, who's Mo- who's Moicano taking on? Does it give, give their name? Uh, Alexander Hernandez. Okay. Alexander the Great Hernandez. Okay. Right. Ky- Kyler Phillips versus Marcelo Rojo. Uh, okay. Douglas Silva de Andrade, Andrade versus Sergey Sergey Morozov. Morozov. Sergey. Morozov. That's all right. Go ahead. Ed Herman versus Maxime Grishin. Yep, oh, no, I, I know that one. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ronnie Lawrence versus Leomana Martinez. That's bantamweight. Mike Mathia versus Orion Kosuke, welterweight. Uh, and then Carlos Erlberg versus Fabio Sherent. You're not wrong. Now, what, the, what like, I mean by that is these are not huge names. Like, I no, know you need, these people. Not even I'm, a one-two combo right there. Normally, you got the one-two combo at least. Right, I don't, right. like, what, exactly. I have no idea. I have no idea who the the – Runner-up in that those mentions are. <laughs> okay, good, good. I, I like that. Now, Guns is an idiot and knows absolutely nothing about nothing, and we always do quizzes, and he always fails. But what I like about this, I got to be honest with you, Guns, is a lot of fans think like you think. Oh, shit, Izzy, man, that's great. I like Izzy. Right? How do you feel about Israel Asanya? by the way? I love Izzy. He follows me on Twitter. I've interviewed him multiple times. I love, besides Connor, Izzy is my guy. No, I I love Stylebender. Let's go. I like, I'm super pumped. I just have no idea who the hell these other guys are. Great. So Guns, you as my filthy, disgusting, proper 12 drinking casual, with Izzy, are you buying this pay-per-view? Uh, I will watch it, it at a bar, probably. I, okay, I don't so, know if I would pay for to watch it, but yes, I right. will watch. I would watch the main event because it's Izzy. I'm not going to miss an Israel Adesanya fight if he's not. Uh, no, you can, no, I'm not. It's, With exactly. this card, absolutely not. And for a pay per view, I'm not dropping my money on that. I won't even go to a bar for that. No, but for exactly. Izzy, of course, yeah, right, it, it, exactly. Okay, so that's the deal. Okay, that's the deal right now is we are looking at a, a, a situation where without Israel Asanya versus Robert Whitaker, we're talking a, a, a severe impact on this card, a severe impact, and there's nothing you can say about it. So that's it, okay? That's it. And so this is a big deal for everyone involved. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, who do we think is to blame here? Israel Asanya, Robert Whitaker, of course, uh, Eugene Behrman laying it at the feet of Robert Whitaker. I don't know if that's fair, but what kind of options does each guy have? I don't think it's a lot. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Right now, I have a very special guest. He is, that's right, the Bellator Bantamweight Champion, undefeated in the promotion. He's won three in a row, but he has a big challenge. No problem saying that. Coming up December 3rd against Kyoji Horoguchi, former bantamweight champion of Bellator. That's going to be a showdown everyone is looking forward to. Sergio Pettis, what is up, my man? How you doing? Man, I'm good. Just uh, chilling out, trying to remain calm. Like you said, I got one of the biggest fights in my career this Friday, so uh, just trying to keep myself sane. <laughs> so, so talk about those <laughs> nerves, man. Like People assume that, that fighters in big fights, with your experience, and, and, and you have a ton of experience, uh, when I look at your record, you know, 21 and five, you've been through a lot of fights, a lot of big fights under big lights. Do you still have to deal with that, uh, th- those nerves and getting prepared mentally in the, the days before a fight, man? Oh, for sure, man. This is my 27th pro fight and I still get the same nerves that I got from fight one. You know, I'm just uh, anxious, man. Anxious. Uh, you're cutting weight as well. So the anxiety goes up a little bit more. And uh, I feel like I've definitely got better at calming myself down, you know, found some breathing pattern stuff that I could do. Uh, started reading a lot of books and just like random stuff, crossword puzzles to keep my mind busy. Uh, PS4 as well. I've been uh, playing some Call of Duty, trying to <laughs> trying to say, trying to stay sane, uh, talking to the boys and stuff. But um, yeah, man, the nerves, the nerves don't go away especially when you love it this much. Right. Is that good or bad? I know Clay Guida said, I started realizing that the nerves are my body's way of getting ready. And so I know when I'm nervous that I'm ready. That's a good thing. I'm sharp. Is that how you see it, man? Yeah, man. I feel like um, my record speaks for itself. 21 to five. I've been fighting these nerves my whole life. And uh, yeah, man, I think that the nerves, uh, once you learn how to channel uh, channel that energy, um, they definitely play into your advantage. Uh, talk a little bit about, and of course I'm talking to Sergio Pettis, uh, Bellator Bantamweight champion, taking on Kyoji Horiguchi, uh December 3rd in Uncasville, Connecticut, former Bantamweight world champion himself for Bellator. I read a thing recently where his coaches at American Top Team said he's the best guy in the room at American Top Team. Everybody talks about his versatility. They talk about his work rate. They talk about how well-rounded he is. Uh, what are your thoughts on Horiguchi as an opponent, man? I uh, mean, I, I think uh, I agree with him. You know, he's well-rounded. He's good everywhere. He's a great stand-up fighter, got a karate style. So it's uh, a little different than just the normal uh, Muay Thai kickboxer style. And uh, he's got cardio. He's got wrestling. He's got jujitsu. Uh, he, he seems like a strong guy. I haven't got to fill him out yet, but uh, he seems like he's got a, a very uh, a, a lot of power in his body. So it's going to be a tough fight, man. Uh, he's got a record of 29-3, and three, so that, that alone, you know, you know, that speaks for itself uh, as well. He's fighting some of the best in the world not just in the UFC, not just in Bellator, but uh, everywhere, Risen, you know, other organizations. He's got in, uh, multiple belts. So, you know, um, he, he's, a, he's a tough opponent, man. If I get this W, it's going to it's gonna show a lot to myself. Now, you're 28 years old, right? I'm, I, I'm a lot yep. older than you. Okay, so <laughs> I remember when Japan was the center of the MMA universe, man. Pride and Shuto, especially 35, 45, basically 55 and below. Japan owned those weight classes, man. And 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 that idea of of him kind of when you talk to him and I've read interviews about him fighting as as Japanese pride right I'm, I'm like representing Japanese mixed martial arts what do you think about that man what do you think about him to, kind of representing a country that used to own mixed martial arts and had a, a few down years do you think that may give him some extra motivation man for sure I think he's motivated uh, with or without that he's a motivated martial artist um, he he goes in there and tries to show out every time you know so. Uh, um but uh you know i'm over here representing america baby we uh we gotta you know we gotta show them what's up you know um i'm over here trying to show us up usa in this so uh you know I'm, i got a lot of motivation on my back as well too you know um 
I come from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, not not much of a, a place people know of. And I want I want the world to know that some of the best fighters come out of that that state. Uh, when I look at it here, your your road through Bellator, uh, last two, Ricky Bandejas, Juan Archuleta, very tough guys at 135. Last one, of course, you won the Be- uh, Bellator Bantamweight World Championship. Uh, how has that ride been in terms of your 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 comfort level at 135? You talked about cutting weight, dude. You used to fight at 125 in the UFC. Now you're at 35. That transition from Bellator and to the Bantamweight division, how has that felt mentally and physically, man? Oh man, it's, it's been feeling good. Uh, mentally, obviously, getting these wins and uh, going on my my run, um, it feels really good. And the, the weight cut at 125 was hell, bro. I, I was uh, going through a lot of a lot of physical health and uh, mental health, and uh, I just feel a lot more comfortable at 35. You know, the older I'm getting, the the, the more the weight cuts are getting harder and harder. So 135 seems to be my home at the moment. Uh, I still feel like I have the 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 drive and the the dedication and. Uh, the discipline to make 125 if necessary, but uh, right now 135 is all I, all I know. When when you see that, and and what to you makes it? When I say you see that, how it how it how it feels different at 35. I can still make 25, but I feel better and different at 35. Fighters that make the transition in weight class and it doesn't work out for them, what kind of mistakes do you think they're making, man? Because it seems seamless for you. Is it a size thing? Is it a confidence thing? What do you think it is? I think it's a skill thing, uh, you know, and in reality of it, uh, it's mixed martial arts is fighting. Um, you get in a fight in the streets, you don't, it doesn't matter what weight class you're at or, you know, um, any of that stuff. So I think it's just a matter of the skill set. You know, I think my skill set is a universal style that I could, uh, go, go up in weight, go down in weight and still have a uh, good success. How has it been? You talk about where you're from, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, of course, Duke Rufus, great team out of there. But your brother, Anthony Pettis, former uh, UFC 155-pound uh, uh, champion, what was it like coming up, seeing his success? A lot of people, that's a good thing, of course. You, know, you get the training partners. You, you, you get access to things you wouldn't get. But there's also a lot of pressure. I mean, your brother is a champion. Can you be a champion? What was that like in the gym with your brother's success in the UFC, man? It was awesome, man. It was it was cool to be a part of his success. You know, um, he's the reason I started training. Uh, I was like 15, 16, helping my brother prepare for professional fights. And at the time in my head, you know, I'm just I'm just enjoying the sport. You know, I'm, I'm like, oh, OK, this is cool. This is different than anything else uh, people are doing in high school at the moment. I was the only fighter out of my high school, you know, so I thought that was cool. And, um, you know, it definitely added pressure um, as he made a name for himself and blew up. You know, people were looking at me like, yo, when are you going to blow up? You know, when is it your time? And I had a different route than Anthony, you know, I, I grew up different, you know, he was a uh, young and confident and me, I grew up, you know, when I was younger, I was not so confident. I had a lot of issues I had to deal with. Uh, I was dealing with some, some mental health issues, a little bit of a social anxiety. Uh, I had some pretty bad skin. So that, that affected me and being five foot six, you know, that, that, didn't, that didn't do so well, <laughs> but uh, you know, um, once I got past all that and realized none of that matters and uh, you know, started realizing how, how much I love this sport, you know, that's, that's when my career started making a change and, I started having success and started really enjoying being Sergio Pettis. That is an interesting way to put it. And and, and I applaud that. It's like, you got to be happy being Sergio. You know, you got to be yeah. happy being who you are, not being somebody else, but having that goal to aspire to. Uh, when you talk about, about martial arts and fighting and all these things as, as a confidence builder, what do you think came first? Was it confidence in fighting made you a more confident person or getting aligned with yourself made you a better fighter how do you see it man which came first to you i think uh you know even as a fighter i personally still still to this day i don't feel like i'm a fighter i'm a, I'm a martial artist you know uh 
And with martial arts, you learn a lot of things about life skills. You learn about respect, uh, self-esteem, discipline, self-belief. And uh, throughout just, you know, years of doing that, I slowly started to understand the, the life skills that I was taught as a kid. I was doing Taekwondo learning this stuff. And uh, I started able to apply it, not just in my martial arts world, but in my actual life. And, you know, that's when I started realizing how beautiful the sport was, uh, just the changes that it helped me make, um, not only in, you know, the cage, but outside of the cage as well. Uh, when you look at this fight, a lot of people would, which is kind of interesting, I wouldn't say run from this challenge, but wouldn't be excited about this challenge. And one of the universals, when 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 someone's a, a big-time fighter and they're a real champion, I always say, man, they want the challenges other people don't want. They, they, they want the obstacles other people run from. How do you feel about... Horiguchi as a that kind of, kind of obstacle and b does it scare you does it excite you how do you feel about that obstacle man uh, every fight scares me it doesn't matter who it is you know it could be someone who has, doesn't have a big name or someone who has a big name or you know um I think just where I'm at in my life right now at the age of 28 years old um I, I've been saying this a lot but I'm starting to see gray hairs in my head you know my hair is starting to recede a little bit so I'm like shut up kid uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, youngster you're 20 and no you're not oh, yeah, come I'm on I, I got gray hairs but I got gray hairs but uh you know after after seeing all that I'm like you know I, I really want to take advantage of my time and uh, yeah. I want to push my body to its limits I want to see what I'm truly capable of you know mentally physically and spiritually and Right now, all those uh, elements are aligned, and you know everything's just everything's coming together for my life. I just got uh, engaged like three months ago, so you know. Hey, I, congratulations, I'm, man! Thank you, thank you. I'm yeah. growing up, man. I'm growing up, and uh, you know, I just want to want to make sure that I'm making my time well worth uh, while I'm on this planet. How do you feel about that line? I'm talking to Sergio Pettis, uh, bantamweight champion, Bellator. We're getting a little philosophical here, but I like that. <laughs> um, but, but when you start thinking about kind of. The, how long do I have and how long the road is and, and all these things. W when you're fighting and you're young, you don't think anything can happen to you. That's part of what makes you great is, you know, you'll run right through a wall because you know you'll be okay the next day. And then at a certain point, you start realizing the toll it's taking on you, the toll it's taking on the people around you. How do you balance those things, thoughts about the future, and yet keeping your mind on the present like a fighter has to? It's, it's not an easy thing to do, man. No, no, for sure. Uh, this is actually my 10th year of professional fighting. So as, as soon as I turned 18, uh, two weeks later, I had my first pro fight. So I've been in the game for a while now, man. And um, uh, it's just crazy, you know, like definitely, uh, like you said, you know, you got to prepare for the future. But uh, every day I've learned to be present. You know, I've ever uh, been reading this book. It was like, you know, be where your feet are at. And right now my feet are at this moment we're at right now. I have this interview. And so I just learned to be really present in my day to day life. And um, my past is my past. It's, it's taught me some good things, and my future will would definitely be determined on my present uh, my present work ethic and my present um, capabilities. Uh, how has the transition, not just to the 135 pound division, which has been incredibly smooth for you, uh, Bellator man? How have you been treated there? You know, I used to commentate there. They're great friends to this day, and it's a great group of people over there in Bellator. How have you been treated there? And and do you feel like that gave you a new attitude about your career itself man uh you know what i wouldn't say it's any different than how i was treated in the ufc you know they treated me good in the ufc the, the people behind yeah. the scenes were awesome you know um you know be, i mean besides you know what, whatever business is business you know at the end of the day but uh you know i feel like you know every everywhere i've gone in, in this martial arts world i've been treated extremely well you know i, I really handle myself uh very respectfully and uh, very professionally so i feel like they can't treat me any other way than what that is and and do you believe that's 
how can I put it? Do you believe that's a little bit on the fighter to decide how they're treated by a promotion and other people? Where you're like, hey, man, if, if you accept a certain level of respect or treatment, that's what you're going to get. Do you believe it's on the fighter a little bit? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely on It's definitely on both ends. You know, like, um, personally, I believe in being a good human, you know, like, so I feel like if I respect myself, uh, people are going to respect me. Or if I treat myself well, people are going to treat me well. And, um, you know, obviously not not tolerating, you know, certain things that happen in my life. But uh, I, I think it's definitely a mixture of both, man. You got to you got to do well and be well to accept well. So I think it's uh, definitely both sides. What was the focus, switching a little bit to the X's and O's of this camp, against a guy who's well-rounded, uh, great gas tank, by the way, I think against Darren Caldwell, kind of wore him down in that second fight, uh, who can do as many things as Horiguchi can do. What was the emphasis in the camp on, on you as a fighter? What do you think you, you improved the most on getting ready for this fight? I think uh, my last fight really just showed my potential, man. I, I, and I showed my gas tank as well. Um, I wouldn't say that that fifth round, I looked over in my corner. I'm like, man, this, this is this is the fifth round. Like I can go for another three or four if I really need to. So I think um, that last fight just showed me, you know, how 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 good I am at uh, utilizing my energy and not getting emotional in any position and uh, just remaining calm. You know, I don't waste any emotions out there. No emotions or motions. My 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 my, my mind is neutral. My position is neutral and uh, and my style is universal. So I feel like nothing's really changed, honestly, from this camp to last camp. Um, I, like I said, just, just the belief, you know, the belief in myself, I definitely did a little bit more cardio than usual, but, uh, I'm in good shape regardless, man. I train all year round. Um, literally there's no training camps for me. There's just fights. I train, I train every single day. Uh, when you look at it and, and you look at a great champion like cyborg who I was at her fight here in South Florida and Bellator a couple weeks ago. And she said in an interview, you fight like you're the contender. You don't fight like you're champion. You fight like you have something to prove every time you get in there. And that's kept her hungry, and it's it's obviously kept her champion in Bellator. Is that the kind of attitude you have? You won the belt last time out, but has your attitude changed since becoming champion? No, not at all, man. My attitude's exactly the same. You know, even, even with that belt, uh, I went to get that belt mounted. That belt wasn't even my house for, like, it's been gone outside of my house longer than it's actually been inside of my house. So I haven't really been looking at it or any of that. Um, and even like, you know, I understand that I won the belt, but uh, it was just for that moment. I lived in that moment while I'd lived there and now it's on to the new test, the new challenge. And I got to keep the same until throughout it all. What are your goals? You talk about starting to see gray hair, starting to see those things. You want a belt yeah, yeah. in Bellator 135. What are your goals moving forward? Now that you, you are a champion, that's the top of the mountain. What are your goals in terms of your legacy in MMA, man? Um, I want to be the best Sergio Pettis I could be, you know, and I, I don't know what that's going to be when it's all said and done, but I'm striving to be one of the best I could be. And uh, if that becomes one of the best in the world or a multi-belt holder, that, that'll be it. But um, obviously I want to go out with a legacy, man. I want to, I want people to know that Sergio Pettis is here for a reason and not just a season. You know, I'm here, I'm here to stay and I'm here to be one of the best I could be. Sergio, I'm sure it's going to be a really exciting fight, uh, December 3rd, and it's going to be against Kyogi, Kyoji Horiguchi in Uncasville, Connecticut in Bellator. Check it out on Showtime. Thank you so much for giving us your time, champ. Hey, thank you, brother. Have a good one. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. 
Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.